0: Hey guys, welcome to our 40th episode. Today, we are talking about uh, relationships and finances, and then we're also talking about the um, ultra-exclusive world of niche sports, particularly in New England. Um, Our top five is product taglines. Enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 40 of Untalked. This is Megan.
1: And Mike. This is Jeff. Man, it feels like... Uh... Feels like we've been on a bit of a hiatus, so it's it's good to be back in studio with you guys. <laughs> did you guys know? <laughs> did you know that you lose up to 30% of your taste buds during flight?
2: So that, hmm, that's how they get away with airplane food. Well,
1: they're saying that may be why you feel like airplane food isn't as good as it is because the elevation in a plane can have like a detrimental effect on your taste buds.
0: Is it a permanent loss?
1: No, no. It's just um, high elevation and low pressure
2: reduces the sensitivity of a person's taste. Buds. So you're making the argument that airplane food is actually better than we think it is. It probably is. It probably is.
0: Airplane food is trash. You
2: gotta bring bring some home next time you fly. And we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll figure this out. I, I think that's the reverse of what your fun fact is suggesting.
1: Okay, just to a- Just a fact: high elevation (laughs) and dryness reduces the sweet and salty food taste bud by about thirty percent. About thirty? No,
2: I feel like peanuts taste the same as to me as they do on the ground. You know, I don't know the last time you consciously taste tested a peanut at forty-five thousand altitude. I've never eaten an airplane peanut and thought to myself, "Hmm, these must be like unsalted."
0: Really? No. So I was just going to say, Really? <laughs> so Southwest is known for their pretzels, right? They always give you pretzels on every flight. And now that you're mentioning this, I feel like they're less salty than like a bag of herbs. Are we
2: dealing with the most provocative fun fact ever right now?
1: Less salty by like <laughs> a third?
0: I don't know that I can quantify it, but...
1: So I feel like when I'm sitting ready to board, drinking my Gatorade, the Gatorade tastes great. And then once I'm up in the air, I just don't feel like it has okay. the same. You just made that up.
0: <laughs> um, Philadelphia sports. Philadelphia Eagles.
2: First place. The first
1: place Philadelphia Eagles and about to be like to set, separate themselves from the pack.
2: Yeah. They're Sunday. losing to Dallas. Oh, my God, mm. no. Yep.
0: Mm. Here we go. Prediction yep. time.
2: Dallas ah, is not can't possibly be that bad. And the Eagles, well, they suck.
1: So prediction time, the Eagles are going to beat Dallas without a problem. And Dallas is that bad. And the Eagles are starting to figure it out as best <sighs> they can.
2: That's what you call figuring it out?
1: Well, I just mean they, they know that Fulgrim is someone who can catch the ball when it's thrown to him. I think Wentz is understanding at some level. I have about a third of a second after it's snapped <laughs> to me to do something with it. He still does that stupid try to duck under defenders, yeah. which, hey, hey, buddy, everyone in the league has figured it out. You, it doesn't work. But I think they're starting to kind of figure it out. And Dallas is that bad, dude. Their defense is horrible. And our defense isn't that horrible. So going up against their third-string quarterback? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you realize Andy Dalton's not playing, right? Yeah. They have no chance, dude.
2: Andy Dalton sucks, though. Come
1: on. And he starts above the guy who's starting, <laughs> I don't even know his name, who's starting this, this Sunday night. Right.
2: Well, there, there you go. He's he's oh, next man he's up. He's the 90th best quarterback on the planet, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: he's got no chance, dude. Wow, wh- wh- what's your prediction? You think the Eagles lose to the Cowboys?
0: I've taken the Birds every week. <laughs> so, I'm going to really lean into it this week and yeah, I'm going to stick with the Eagles, but for no other reason than like I can't bring myself to choose the Cowboys in a situation where it's like the two of the worst teams in the league playing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the Sunday it's, night special it's hard to watch. this week so if I'm Jim Schwartz like stop CeeDee Lamb stop Amari Cooper stop Ezekiel Elliott I don't care what you do with the quarterback because he's garbage and they have no other offensive players how hard could it be to draw up a defense to stop that in fact the Eagles are my defense for fantasy football this week I feel that strongly about
0: it. See, I don't like that you you do that. You go hometown hero with your fantasy team. I mean, I personally like it because it typically leads to poor results for you, which I truly enjoy. But I would not, <laughs> like, root for the Eagles and then also root for the Eagles in my fantasy.
1: That wasn't a hometown hero pick. It's I feel that strongly that Eagles defense is, is okay and... They're going to sack this quarterback like five times. He's going to throw three interceptions. I mean, I feel like it's a good play. From a we fantasy.
0: should ask a non-Philadelphia fan. Okay, that. Go ahead. <laughs> um, all right. So, birds for me. Birds for Jeff.
2: Oh, I, I have the birds losing, and um, he's crazy. Do we have anything else? Anything in Sixers land going on? Um, Rumor's swirling, right? Do, 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 uh, do, do.
0: I think it's a fish. Uh, Daryl Morey is going to be the new director of that ba- president of basketball ops. Um, very Hanky esque. So he's known for his like analytical approach to building teams. He was previously with the Houston Rockets, who experienced very little success. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> I mean, in my mind, it's like it, it's kind of like Doc Rivers, like in in isolation, do I like the decision? Yes. Do I think that it's it's going to fix so many of the problems that are plaguing this whole team and organization?
2: Probably not. <laughs> so what's analytics in in basketball, explain that to me. Like, what's what's that mean?
0: So mostly, like, being able to quantify um, the role and importance of certain shots, certain players, certain defenses. So they've basically, like, we'll use the Rockets, for example. They went built this team that was incredibly small, undersized, I should say, um, and played at a remarkably fast pace. So Mike D'Antoni was their head coach. He wanted their offenses to, like, cross half court and have a shot up within seven seconds. And the idea was just to run and gun.
2: Yeah, so that's like UNLV back in the day. It's like the
0: modern-day Warriors. Like, so it's it's taking a, transforming the, the very traditional one through five basketball lineup and coming up with really your five best players regardless of size, your five, five best offensive players regardless of size, and making them as efficient as possible. They've, there's been a ton of work done around like where offenses should like score their points and less and less data is saying, data is saying you should score layups. It's three-point shots. It's corner threes are the most efficient shot in basketball. Your goal should be to shoot more threes than the other team because a three is worth more than a two. Um,
1: Analytics in sports, like I, I, I don't feel it at all. Like I think it's stupid. Like the fact that that plays a role in Doug Peterson making a decision to either kick a field goal or go for it for it on fourth and three.
2: I think that's. I think you're talking about different analytics. Really? Yeah. Like we're talking about player analytics, right? Where you yeah,
0: you're it. talking about like probability, right?
1: What yeah. is it? Uh, we don't have to argue about is I mean, I, I, Isn't it the same thing, though? Like, we're going to run this style of offense because the probability is we're going to get more shot attempts because we're shooting it faster. And, I, I mean, it's, it's still using numbers to dictate how you're going to run a
2: sports. I don't know if analytics really applies in football. I mean, stats are stats in football, like yards per carry and that sort of stuff for players. But I think we're talking about, like, stuff that – doesn't necessarily show up on the eye test or on the stat sheet. So like in hockey, there's a lot of stuff going on around analytics, which is like when this player's on the ice, the team is generally like in the offensive zone generating like dangerous scoring chances, even though he may not show up on the sheet. So he's having an impact that's positive. Plus minus. There's a huge amount of debate amongst the people that say like, Hey, just give me the eye test all day and every day. I don't care about this stupid analytics. And there's, I think it's somewhere in in between. I think it has a role. It's just not, maybe it's over. Like if certain people just buy into it and and make it the premise of everything, I think that's wrong also.
0: Yeah, and and I think with with the Sixers, because it's very much Hinkie's approach right through the process, it's also a way to attempt to gauge upside right cuz when you look at a, a potential draft prospect it's really hard to say like how good this 19 or 20 year old is going to be but by by using analytics as opposed to maybe just like his points per game right his efficiency his plus minus how much better his team is with him on the court than they are with him off of it it gives you a little more confidence in making a draft decision because like there's it's so hard aside from like just the eye test and sheer athleticism
1: um so I'm, I'm curious if using that kind of analysis leads to better draft results or not.
0: No, I think draft is very very luck right. based. Um but sometimes luck and a good player happen to be right picked at the same time. Yeah. Like Steph Curry was a lucky pick for the Warriors. Nobody thought analytics or not, that Steph would be the NBA player he's become. And since the players that they've drafted around him have been very much based on the style of play that he's thrived in.
2: So it sounds like what you're saying is Sixers are no better off now.
0: (laughs) I think it's going to be interesting to see how a guy who was just the GM of a team that started five players under, like, 6'8", is gonna now be the director of basketball ops for a team that has nobody in the top seven who's under sixty. <laughs> like he's going very much from like a personnel standpoint from to opposite ends or uh, from opposite ends. But again, like it's a big name. He's a smart guy. He's not part of the ownership group that has existed in Philly before. So at least like the new blood is something I can get behind.
1: But to your point. And I agree with it 100%. He's not going to take one free throw, one jump shot, one layup. He's not going to send one pass to Ben. Sen- like, in the end, the players on the court are the players on the court, and that ain't working.
0: Yeah. Unless he can, like, unload Al Horford, Tobias Harris, maybe tra- trade Josh Richardson for, like, <laughs>
1: pretty much restructure <laughs> the entire team. Um so we have like do the Rams have a like a snowball's chance to actually like make it in the playoffs and possibly like a Super Bowl like the LA Rams cuz the Dodgers just won the World Series. Uh, oh I was like oh, And God, the Lakers, Lakers just freaking won the NBA title. Like can you imagine if the freaking Rams win?
0: They're not going to, right? They have a Are they in the NFC?
2: Yeah, NFC West, right? So who else is out there? It's Seattle the Falcons, which doesn't make sense, but I think they're out there Seattle, New Orleans, maybe? I might have the wrong division. Who's the
0: best team in the NFC?
1: The NFC West are the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Rams and the Niners. So the Seahawks are 5 and 1. Cardinals are 5 and 2 and the Rams are 5 and 2. I mean, it's a pretty pretty much the opposite of the NFC East.
0: I saw somebody tweet that the NFC West and the NFC East play two different sports.
1: Like the, 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 the team in last place in the NFC West are the Niners and they're four and three. They have a hundred percent more wins than the first place team in the NFC East.
2: Yeah, but come on NFC East. They're playing each other a lot. Tough schedule. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Good point, Mike. Good point.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that would be horrible to have three L.A. teams. Like, it, L.A. people aren't insufferable enough already. God, and this man. is coming from a LeBron fan who truly rooted for the Lakers. Hopefully not.
1: I hope not. It just wouldn't be fair. Where
0: is the Super Bowl? I don't even Bowl?
2: care. I mean, what happened? Did, did the World Series end? Is that over? Yeah, Dodgers, Dodgers won, yeah, won okay. yesterday. I've literally, as you can tell, didn't watch an inning intentionally avoided even reading up on it
1: I watched a little bit of the game last night because it was it was game 6 and the Dodgers were winning 3-2 in the series and the um the Rays were up one nothing into like the 6th inning and then they pulled their starter pitcher and they gave up freaking like 3 runs so they were down 3-1 and apparently cuz i tuned out around the 7th inning They pulled one of the Dodgers out of the game in the seventh inning. I think I have the story correct because of a positive COVID test. Oh, yeah. And told him, like, dude, get in the locker room. They end up winning the game, and he runs back out on the field and is, like, kissing and hugging everybody.
2: So, like, the test results came in during the game?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, he was negative. I I don't know how often they're testing, but he had a negative result. What's today? Wednesday? Like, on Monday? And then I guess there was – or it wasn't negative; it was inconclusive. So they had to do another test.
1: Positive during the game, they pull him out of the game, and then he runs back on the field during the celebration and's hugging people.
0: <laughs> and like has a mask on, but then there's so many pictures of the mask off. I mean, yeah, yeah. what's wrong with people? Uh, all right. Is there anything else? Happening?
2: I don't think there's anything else. No. No. No, no, no hockey or baseball to talk about. I mean, the Masters is
1: coming up in November, if anyone wants to talk about that. Nope.
2: Yeah. Neither do I. I'm out.
0: <laughs> Coach's Corner. My husband earned less than me for a decade, so I paid more towards our expenses. I want him to repay me. This was a like Q&A or advice column from Market Watch uh, that Quentin Fottrell, uh responded to. Relationships and finances, whether it's a married couple, engaged couples, or newly dating couples, we see a lot of different ways people talk about and manage their combined or separate finances. For new couples, there's typically a lot of apprehension around how much to share related to income, expenses, and debt. For committed couples, disagreements about spending habits tend to be one of the leading causes of divorce. The couple in this article relied on the woman's income for the bulk of their expenses for years, and now she wants to be repaid.
1: I'm I'm like really shocked at how overcomplicated overcomplicated a lot of couples make finances. Now maybe my situation is simple, my wife works at home, like she does like she's a homemaker. I hate that term. I like she stay, at home, stay at home mom like handles these kids at home with the with helping them in school because it's all virtual. I go to work. But if she worked We would have all of our income go into one account, just like it does now, pay the bills and we would, she'd have a credit card, I'd have a credit card. We'd stay within our budgets on our credit cards to shop during the course of the month. And if there needed to be like a major purchase or a big financial decision, we would talk about it like we do now. I can't believe people have like, okay, so she works, like my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, I know they do it this way. She has like her account. He, like, bills her for, like, a percentage of expenses. Like, it's so, hey, you owe me X for, like, Verizon. <laughs> it's so strange to me. Why is it so complicated?
2: I can't even comment on this. I, I feel just like you do, but even probably more extreme. I mean, in this, in this article, Dear Moneyist, she's going on and on about how they started out even— They've been married for 19 years and then all of a sudden she started making more money and now she's pissed off and she wants like him to pay, pay up. Pay Cause who she, up? Because she's outpaced him in income. And then she has this little line in here. Um, um, otherwise, we're, we're happily, happily married. Bullshit you are. It, it, that's, this is ridiculous. And you're right. Overcomplicating is exactly the right way to describe this. I, again, look, to each his own or her own with the way they want to handle stuff but to me this is insanity making making such an issue about income disparity which is pretty much the case like by definition in any married couple whether they're both working one's working neither are working whatever i mean come on you you got married that's part of the deal 19 years later you're going to gripe and complain and say pay me back i just don't... i think that the response to this article was way too nice. I'd like to respond to this one, but it's a little too late. Anyway, go ahead. I'm off. I'm off for a second.
1: I, yeah. Can can you can you just explain to me the the separation of finances when there's a married couple or not even married, just a couple? Why is there a separation of finances?
2: I think that the extent to which I kind of get it is where there's like a, a, you know a personal account for for each. Let's say where you have your little fun money, let's say. You spend it on your... And it's not coming out of a... Even, even that I don't get, honestly. But I get that. But when you start to divvy up utility bills and 529 contributions for your kids and say... It makes no sense. I put in more because I made more, It makes no sense. I
1: agree. Like, wife makes $300,000 a year. Husband makes $20,000 a year. So isn't the wife's income going to go into like a joint account that's going to pay all of the bills. And then every month, maybe $2,500 is going to go into husband's individual account. $2,500 is going to go in the wife's individual account that they can use for their spending money for the next quarter. Like, why isn't it just that simple? Yeah. Why is there this, I'm going to pay this percentage of the bill because I make
2: X. And by the way, I would, my, my answer to this would be like, dear... Um, <laughs> Dear disgruntled or whatever, (laughs) sure her name is. (laughs) Dear resting bitch face. (laughs) What I would do is, um, I would recommend that you pay your share of taxes in the same way that you're recommending that you share expenses. Since you make so much more than him, you pay the tax bill. Right, like if he's he's
1: free and clear. If I didn't have your income, I wouldn't pay anything in taxes, (laughs) so I shouldn't contribute to any of the taxes.
0: I agree. I think this is way overcomplicated, and that there are absolutely, um, certain joint expenses that regardless of who makes more than the other should become like come from the, the joint pot. I do think though, there's something to be said, particularly for women about (laughs) your dick.
1: All I did was roll my eyes. Yeah.
0: And your eyes are still in the back of your head. Um, Particularly for women. And I say that because a lot of my friends, like, there's...
1: Insecurities?
0: I don't know if insecurity is the right word. Or there is a a common theme that the men in their lives tend to take over the money, like, management, we'll call it. Like, handling the day-to-day bills. And the idea that they know the guy where every single dollar goes.
1: Um, I, I, I can get on board with that for like the first five years of marriage. I think after a certain point, shouldn't you have better conversations around money? Like our money goes into an individual account at our, at our bank where I pay all the bills out of and then there's a set number that my wife knows I move from the individual account to her individual account to handle house clothes for the kids food whatever she wants so there's all, I just like you said I know where the money is how much there is what's what's um, anticipated to be paid for next month and I usually just spend money if if and how I want to spend money whereas I know she doesn't she may like I'm going to wait till next month to get this because of the budget that she has or what she's trying to, which is good. She's, she's sure she's a better budgeter than I am, but I've said to her like, babe, if you need to go buy a rug, it's 200, just go buy a rug. You're going to go over the budget by 200 this month, but we'll figure that out. Whereas maybe if she was more in it, in it and in the planning, she would understand that that's, it's okay to do that.
0: Yeah. I, I guess that's part of it. And and your situation is a little bit different. Like Imagine if me and my fiance husband like put all of our money into the joint pot, and then me, who like makes half of what contributes, I have to like ask for money. Like, I I have no interest in that. Do you know what I mean? Like, ask
1: for money. Like, Like, hey,
0: I'm going on a, a trip with my girlfriends. Like, I make my money, we've paid our bills, I'm going to do what I wanna do. Like I think with females, and again, I'm I'm taking that side of it, there's like a permission factor that exists, whether we acknowledge it or not. I think men are way more inclined to just do, especially if the man is the one running the finances. Whereas females, there's like, I don't wanna ask permission to spend my own money. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes absolute sense and and I'm trying to like relate it to my situation if I was going away with my buddies I wouldn't say to Melissa hey um I'm thinking it's probably gonna cost me about a thousand bucks between football tickets and hotel does that work is that cool because it would get it would just get charged on the credit card right um whereas if she was going away she would do the same thing mm-hmm. she wouldn't actually she wouldn't ask she would just go and it is what it is and she'd charge on the credit card now because I pay the credit cards and like I may say, wow, expensive weekend with the girls, huh? Whereas <laughs>
0: <laughs> she wouldn't
1: have, she, she's not paying she's not the bill for me. So way. she wouldn't see that and wouldn't question
2: it. Well, that's how it works in our house. Everything's joint, everything's joint credit card or, you know, common credit card, joint bank account, everything. I, I pay all this, I do all the, like, you know, the management of the bill paid and all that stuff. But that comes up. Uh, that that situation comes up a lot. Where I'll be like, "Hey, uh, our credit card balance is sixty five thousand dollars right now this month." <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But like, like it'll be like this month. higher than <laughs> yeah. you know, normal because yeah. of whatever, and it'll just be like the conversation, like, "Hey, let's dial it back a little bit." That's yeah. all. And but it's not. There's never permission. There's never. Let's hey. dial it back a little bit. Yeah, no seriously. <laughs> but and then yeah. maybe
0: that's what happens over time, right? Yeah. Maybe that's that's the the groove you get into over time that I, my credit card is what it is and your credit card is what it is and like they both get paid so who cares. I just think especially early on in relationships there is more often than not um uh, females taking the back seat to the actual, like the practical bill paying, which leads to having to justify their own financial decision making.
2: But back to this article. <laughs> Spot on, by the way. I, yeah, was, yeah I agree. Totally. You're right. To the article, though, this, to me, there was just a competition. Like, yeah, under- yeah, yeah. Okay, she's, all. she's crazy. Like, like I'm not <laughs> counting how much yeah. I make versus you. And therefore, I'm also counting up how much. I'm paying in bills versus you, and and now I'm crying. Not fair. Like you know,
0: I'm mostly speaking about what you want to do on your own with your money versus the joint expenses are what they are. You contribute your income, you make sure all your shit's paid, and then you go about your life. That's kind of how I'm.
1: You're 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 spot on because if if Melissa's credit card this month looked like my credit card, and I went to go pay the bills and saw it, I mean, I would have lost my shit and been like, what? But because like we did a bunch of stuff with the house this pat like the last 30 to 45 days and that landed on my credit card for this month, which caused it to be way higher than it normally is. But I know where the payment is coming from. I know how that's working with our with our budget for the balance of the year. So I know how it's all going to be taken care of. Whereas if I wasn't doing that, and I saw it, I would I would be I would lose my mind. So that ties into what you were saying, where um, she would never want to hear that from me. Mm-hmm. She would want to have look. It's my credit card. Mm-hmm. I have my way of paying for it with my money. Mm-hmm. So leave me the fuck alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's an evolution, right? It's like when you first start, like. Dating someone, there's a lot of like, I don't know if insecurity is the right word, but just apprehension around like sharing your financial shit, right? Like how much you make, what you have in debt, good or bad debt, (laughs) right? Can you Mm -hmm. afford to like socially do the things with your partner that they want to do or or vice versa? So it's like I don't know that there's ever a point in relationships where it becomes easy. You just figure out what works best for you.
1: The couple. It becomes easy. Just let one person do it all. The guy or the girl, who cares? Then it's really easy.
0: Yeah, but then like in, in your case, and I don't want to pick on the list, but like she's absent. Like she's not and I know she's a part of like the big picture planning, of course. I know you don't make decisions without her, but like if you're if something happened to you, then what?
1: Yeah, we've we've had like a quick <laughs> tutorial every now and then, which but there's no <laughs> way. Like she'd have to like
0: so you're right. It doesn't have to be like you guys don't have to sit down once a month and like pay the bills. We either. could.
1: And, and and I've said that wouldn't be
0: a horrible thing. But there needs to be some awareness by both parties. Right.
2: <laughs> I kind of agree with Jeff. Like it, it, it seems to, like in, in our house, it's me doing it, doing all of it. And it is easier because I think if I... Awareness would be good, <laughs> but, but I mean, too much awareness or too much involvement, it just becomes like, it just cre- would create problems, I think. Um, yeah. It, at least the way it works for us, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: And our wives are from a different generation where they're not like the, the stay-at-home moms that cook and clean, like that. not that generation, but they're not as sensitive as maybe the younger generation where it's like... I need to be independent and I need to provide for myself. I think, like, my wife feels like, look, I don't, I don't, he handles the bills and stuff. Like, that's totally fine with me. Just because he handles the money end doesn't mean he's Mr. Money. Just means he handles that stuff. I do all the kids' stuff. Sure. And she's way better at it than I. And I think for our situations, for Mike and I, they default to us because, like, well, this is your business. So, you're probably better at m- than it than yeah. I am.
0: Yeah, I think sensitivity is the wrong word because um, I don't think it's something that women are sensitive to. Did I, I say sensitivity? Yeah, you said younger people, younger generations are more sensitive to being independent, and I don't think it's aware. I don't. Well, I don't even know if it's a sensitivity or it just is. Like you yeah. and Melissa have been doing this for a long time together. You and Pam have been doing it for a long time together, and like you. Your professional lives and your personal lives came up together. Like, I'm 31. Yeah. I've established myself professionally. Like, I'm not going to hand that shit over to the guy I marry. Like, it's just not going to happen. And that's not, I don't think me being independent, it's just me being me.
1: But year five, you're not going to be like, hey, hon, you owe me $20?
2: No, no, I think
0: I've been clear on that. The joint shit is the joint shit, but I'm also year five not going to be like, you, Why did your you spend... showers
2: are twice as long as mine, so <laughs> right. the water bill is.
0: <laughs> but I'm also morphing. not year five. Why'd you spend three hundred bucks at the bar? I don't give a shit. Like,
1: <laughs> but like, and his... and if he didn't have because if because he didn't make as much doesn't make as much money, if he's doing a guy's weekend, I would imagine he could look at his bank account and be like, "Hey, babe, like I'm gonna need like an extra five hundred for this weekend. Sure. Strip clubs got expensive <laughs> these days."
0: Yeah, I'd be like, here's some ones, dude.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know we've been on this subject a a while. I still am kind of curious about the separate like checking accounts or bank accounts, like the the need for it at all. Like you have, Jeff. I mean that that's I know you've been running that and it works for you. I just like I, I just would never do that. So I have my
1: account I pay all the bills out of. Melissa doesn't need all that activity in her account. So I put money in her account when we get paid, which is in a, a number that we agreed upon, which she's comfortable like living her lifestyle out of. So I don't. I, it just goes there and she does whatever the hell she wants with it. If she decides not to feed the kids for a month and like travel, <laughs> great. Figure it out. Figure it out.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of, at least for like friends of mine, it's more just, the the process of opening a new account, right? Because they've like existed with their own bank account. I've had this bank account since I was fifteen. Yeah. Like, it's like all up. my direct deposits are here. All of my automatic debits are here. Am I really gonna shut up? All, I know there's not all. that many, but like, so I, I guess in my mind it would be like we'd keep individuals and then have a joint, and then yeah. every month or every pay, just eighty percent of it goes into the yeah. joint, and then I keep my shit and I don't tell him what 80% actually is.
1: (laughs) There you go. I'm sure like the systems are all over the place. And the majority of them are pretty horrible when it comes to couples.
0: Horrible is relative, right?
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Mine works for me. And you might look at it and be like, that's the craziest system I've ever seen.
0: Right. All right, moving on. The Mad, Mad World of Niche Sports Among Ivy League Obsessed Parents. This was in The Atlantic, written by Ruth Barrett. Ruth's article takes on the uber-competitive worlds of youth athletes from Fairfield County, Connecticut, participating in squash, fencing, and lacrosse, and how these affluent affluent athletes and their families are on a hamster wheel of constantly increasing competition for spots not, not only in the sports, but spots in Ivy League colleges. Saturation is the term used to describe the pools of athletes vying for elite college exposure and acceptance.
2: Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. It's a tough article to read objectively. Um, what do you mean? Well, for me, because, you know, I'll, I'll just, the first sentence uh, on paper, Sloan, a buoyant, chatty, stay at home mom from Fairfield County, Connecticut, seems unbelievably well prepared to shepherd her three daughters through the roiling world of competitive youth sports, blah, blah, blah. Like, what a bunch of brats I'm not talking about the kids you know what I mean it, I, you read these articles about the you know of course it's a world of fencing and like high end
0: country club country sports.
2: club sports and, and maybe even beyond country club sports yeah especially in the in like hedge fund backyard of of like ultra affluent Connecticut and and it's the the private school upper echelon the whole article's it's fascinating because it's basically like talking about how, how, you know, there's fewer and fewer spots for these kids at, at colleges for these sports that they played their whole life and trained for, and yet more and more kids are being trained and prepped to play them in college. Or the same amount of spots. Or the same. And just and three and times like, as many kids vying and for And the one example was, I, I forget who yeah. it was, was it Stanford maybe that just just – shuttered their fencing program i might be getting this wrong but and they did it in in because of the pressure that or the or the perception that fencing is just a, a rich white kid sport so we're out we're out of that business and like i don't know this is a this is like <laughs> i mean sloan in particular the one the woman that was mm-hmm. agreed to be interviewed for this what a bitch sorry didn't you didn't
1: you draw any lines with the hockey world from reading this article? I
2: good question. Um, cuz
1: I did. I mean the whole time it, it
2: they and they talked about it in here some of these hedge fund um, parents who build hockey full, full-blown hockey rinks in their mm-hmm. backyard for their kids to train and yeah, and then they end up at prep schools in New England and I guess get better looks and have a chance to play in college and and the like, but Uh, but I thought it was more the individual, like the fencings and the squashes of the world. Like those sports are, to me, in my mind, they're different from hockey, because hockey's still a blue-collar sport.
1: Yeah, but it is a blue-collar sport, but there's a lot of blue-collar people that are spending every dime of discretionary income they have to get their kids in the best, most elite program and training facilities that they can and these kids have no shot of doing anything with hockey so I mean I've, I read it as this like rich white collar world that is like I
2: can't even imagine being in it well, and, yeah, and just... I read it with that perception right. that And you and did. right at the beginning you got Sloan you hate going Sloan. on the record a... saying if she doesn't step up her game she's going to Ohio State <laughs> like totally trashing on Ohio State yeah. there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with the, like, like, and then she's like oh I don't mean to throw them under the bus but the <laughs> Yeah, you do, Sloan, because because your name is Sloane. <laughs> I you know? mean, she—it's
0: pro- probably a fake name, right? They probably, probably. changed. That's a good one. It's a it's good, a fake, good name. fake name. It's a very yeah. Fake I just fake keep name. thinking
2: of
1: Sloan from uh, a <laughs> yeah entourage. I know yeah, 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 she yeah. was like a smoke show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All true. Anyway, um,
1: yeah, I just I kind of read it as sports today, not just elite Ivy League.
2: Uh, and you read it correctly. That's the that's the point of the article yeah
0: yeah i guess i read it differently because i i thought about like the accessibility of basketball of football of soccer and they're obviously like less equipment needed sports right less like ice time or rink time or i don't know where you fence in like a cage <laughs> like the, the i read it like there's another level because the youth sports we're involved in I'm involved in, we participated in, like I've always thought that was crazy. And I always thought parents did the absolute most despite the fact that their kid was, you know, not going to play at the next level or maybe not even going to make a varsity team. But then there's this lack of accessibility to the sport itself because of money that then in turn just creates this other like ecosystem that's completely separate from what quote unquote normal
1: people do. Um, yeah. Like there was a point in the article where they're talking about like inner city fence, fencing yeah. programs and some of these kids were really good and they were super excited to be a part of it, but they still had no chance compared mm-hmm. to the white kids up in Connecticut who had those programs plus their own courts plus uh, an hour and a half a day with a pro. like
0: Plus their coach yeah. is best friends with the Ivy league you know, yes. coach. Like, there's, there's just a network and a connectivity that, that doesn't allow like this, these particular sports to be accessible to all.
2: But that network and connectivity, it, like that's described in this world of like pre-college sports, I'll say, is exactly what happens when, when, when Landon the lax bro goes to Yale mm-hmm. and ends up working for a hedge fund right. you know, in, yes. in New York City afterwards because that's the connectivity that they're paying for and that that's all part of the program.
0: It's self-perpetuating, yeah. right? It's the parents who create this for their kids, who then create it for their kids, who create it for their kids, and they, like, they maintain that level of exclusivity. Um, and it's just, I guess in my mind, it was really interesting to read it related to sports so closely, right? Because I've always thought about it as like an education thing and, right, and the ability for students to have access to, you know, the best tutors or the best material or the ability to get into these um, prestigious educational institutions. But then you add the layer of sports and it's like, holy shit. Right.
2: It's the the rower or whatever who that's what – gets that's ultimately really what gets, gets yep. them into that Ivy League school it's not what you think which might be just you know 1580 on their SAT or whatever mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if you guys got through the whole article because it was like
1: long long the atlantic's <laughs> good for yeah. a,
0: a wordy article
1: but i did find it very interesting towards the end where they were talking about how some of these coaches and the scouts from these colleges that are that are looking to recruit kids will maybe see a kid who has who's from connecticut who has had access to all this stuff and they said well then i see this other kid over here that is pretty athletic and pretty good and didn't have any access to that stuff and we'll go with them because their ceiling is through the roof where this other kid
2: they've maxed out and they're probably burnt out they've gotten the best Training and coaching already, and this is where they are. are, Right, and I see this raw talent right next to him or her, and I'm taking that
1: one. It kind of like, and I equated that to my son who plays hockey, and I'm like, look, I could put him in method and do all these other things, or if he can still like play at a high level of whatever level he's in, just enjoying the sport, going to his practices, going to his games maybe working on his game a little bit in the street and in the garage. Great. And maybe that will be the look he gets. Like, look, man, this kid has had no training other than the teams he's been on. We don't do method. We Like, that might help him. And if it doesn't, he's not going to be fried from playing hockey 24 hours a day, seven days a
2: week. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, somewhat disturbing stuff in it just because mm-hmm. of, you know, obviously the, that whole ecosystem of, that we already talked about. But, there was a lot of discussion in the article about the, the kids themselves and their mental and psychological states after doing this and having gone through this. And, you know, it's real. I can't believe it's real. I mean, I believe it, but I just I can't believe reading
1: the article like the woman talking about. And it may have been Sloan, <laughs> you know, we we shut it down and i watched my girls yeah. laying on the trampoline right. like do like having make,
0: a conversation with each other. Yeah, yeah,
1: and i was like, oh my god, this is what life's about. And then like 3 days later she's like, get back on the <laughs> treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. th- there can't be people that crazy. Okay, oh, there, yes, there are. There you are in
0: it. in this in in our world. How are they
1: married? Like how is the husband not like, bitch, you're crazy? Leave these kids alone or we're all out of here. Like how is that not happening?
0: There aren't enough coaches or or third party, I don't know, like skill what's the word I'm looking for? Um like scouts or great that that have the balls to say to a parent, your kid's not that good, right? Like we are constantly, constantly, constantly building these kids up. And I understand it's for their own sanity too, but like we have inflated egos beyond like Beyond fixing. And I had a conversation yesterday with the worst player on my basketball team, and I said more good things than bad things. It's your fault. It's, it's, no, I know, I know I'm part of the problem. And I know that the people who coached me and watched me did the same thing. Like, I was constantly told how good things I did well were, and the things that I needed to improve upon were were secondary. So there's like, there has, there needs to be more responsibility on. The parents, but I, I'd say the coaches, and there needs to be less parents who are coaches. Like there needs to be an element of responsibility on, like how good these kids are, what their ceilings truly are, and like what and why that's okay.
2: But I don't think, that, like, I, and Jeff, you and I, we talk about it all the time. I don't think most parents are aware. I think most parents are completely ignorant about what else is out there, what level of skill goes on out there outside of your little world of where johnny or whomever plays they are so delusional um in 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 their expectations or just awareness of, of how good everyone else is and it's and fair. to your point megan how low the ceiling is for their kid and it's not nothing wrong with the ceiling being low right just is. right and i also think it's part of the community you're in like Back to the article. If you're if you're in Fairfield or Greenwich, Connecticut, and this is the world that you live in, in, you're just the peer pressure and the and the you get caught up in it. I think more and more, depending on where you where you are.
0: I'm critical because it's very easy to be right. Like I I recognize that there are influences in this that like are not fixable. I just I, I constantly think about how much better people think their children are than they are. And it is shocking. And it sucks that like the kid just can't be average, right? It sucks for the parent. It sucks for the kid. It sucks for the teammates, the coach. It sucks that we can't just say like, Jennifer's not going to be a division one basketball player at UConn. And that's okay. Okay like why not playing JV for 2 years and then varsity for 2 years and then going to college and getting a job isn't like an okay track.
2: And one of the best businesses to launch in the past whatever number of years has been club sports for mm-hmm. s- for anything mm-hmm. and touted as like the next thing and mm-hmm. you know we we all know the ones around here that and the result is a very watered down you know, product, product and, right. but the checks are being written, and people are making money from them yeah. because the parents are willing to write the checks.
1: In a bit of a disagreement with you, Meg, because um, I had I had a conversation with my son's coach like last week, and it was kind of around like, dude, he needs a he needs a little more positive reinforcement. And I wasn't saying to the coach, "Don't tell him what he's doing wrong," like tell him what he does wrong. But he's he's twelve, and it's not these it's not the fault of these kids they've been raised in a society now where it is hey you're great you can be whatever you want to be like they have these big egos not their fault so it's tough to just treat them like i was treated like you can get cut from like the basketball team in, in grade school like there's tryouts and you cannot make the team um and like told like you're doing this wrong you're doing like these kids need positive reinforcement. Now you don't have to lie to them and say like, "Hey, you're really good. You're going to make it on Yale's like as team as a starter." But they do need to be coddled more, and that's unfortunate because I don't want them. I don't want my son to be coddled, but I know he needs to be because I think there's more kids that need to be coddled than you can whip into shape in today's sports, and that that's at like every level, like through the pros. Yeah. And I just, the other thing with the cutting back to this article, like I can't, I can't believe that there's people that are like Reese Witherspoon from like Little Fires Everywhere. Like I just can't, because that's exactly what I was thinking of reading this article. Uh I can't believe people like that exist. A lot of them. That's crazy.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I can't believe they're married and they have like offspring.
0: I think they have offspring to participate in this world. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon would totally play Sloane.
2: Yeah. Oh my God. And she she'd is be Sloan. like
0: a good Sloane.
2: She's Sloane.
0: Every character she plays is. Sloan. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then the other the other movie that this reminds me of is um, what's the one with, uh, Cruel Intentions?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. That yeah. school is mm-hmm. like in my mind when yeah. I when I think about them describing whatever schools these kids go to. Again, fictional. Like it can't. This isn't real.
1: Sloan, this is. This was a made up article. It doesn't. It's not real. <laughs>
2: No, unfortunately, it's, it's all too real. And it's a microcosm. I mean, even in our area, like yeah. we have similar stuff going on in yeah. every sport. Every sport. It's crazy.
0: Top five product taglines.
1: Ugh. I can't believe you guys were so down on this. It well, stinks.
2: I thought it was okay at first it became not okay for me but we'll 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 do our best. Jeff, you're highly confident of your I'm I'm, I'm highly list. confident. All right, so do you, wanna, you want do go first? you want to go last or first? Yeah, should probably going last. Okay.
0: I'll go last. I'll go first. Okay, Meg, you got it. I mean, I wrote a lot of a, a lot down and a couple that I want to talk about cuz they are horrendous. <laughs> um All right, wait. I actually have a proposal. Do you think by saying the tagline, and then seeing if the other two people can guess it, that means it was a good tagline. Sure.
2: Yeah, let's do that. I have one that I know you won't guess. I don't have to explain it, but okay, okay.
0: You're gonna like the way you look. I guarantee it.
2: J.C. mm
1: All right, I'm out. I'm done guessing.
0: Men's Warehouse.
2: Oh yeah, so yeah. Obviously, that wasn't a good one. Yeah, I mean, men's wear. Speaking to two and men, and they're uh, bankrupt, I think. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, okay, so this is a shave time, shave money. Uh,
1: Betterment, Gillette, Dollar Shave Club. There we go. Dollar shave Club. So these are, by the way, both Christians.
0: <laughs> no, shave Dollar Shave Club was mine. Uh, men's Wearhouse was him. You're in good hands. All state. Come on. this is dumb
1: that's not bad because I've actually had multiple conversations with friends of mine that were like you know what dude I'm not in good hands like they had an accident and Allstate just Suck. sucked Suck. is it in you oh my god is that Trojan
0: <laughs> no oh. it's Gatorade I think right Gatorade is it in you
2: I think that's true yeah yeah is that- it the thirst quencher
0: maybe they have multiple
2: yeah they're Wasn't it? Trying out a few.
0: Gatorade is it in you? Is a thousand percent the tagline. Um, I mean, just do it, just so I can. Yeah, that's like a Nike. Be done with this. All right. So, is it in you? I wanted to bring up. Double your pleasure, double Double your fun. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of gum taglines out there. So.
0: Yeah. Okay. The best a man can get, that's Gillette.
2: Gillette. Like.
0: How many old white men were sitting at a table? Think like, about yeah. the
2: marketing agencies that that come up with this, and this is, the, this is their crap. They get paid to come up with this. Got milk? Yeah, milk.
0: The incredible edible egg. What? Well, why? Well, oh, you you're do- You're going you're like, on like, like eight, eight or nine. Sorry, mean, sorry. Like, were other- any of those on yours? No, no. Mine are solid.
2: <laughs> All right, I, I have to go next because mine are not solid. <laughs> um, magically delicious.
1: Uh, uh, it's um. It's not Captain Crunch. It's um oh it's Lucky Charms. Yes. Yeah. Lucky
2: there you Charms. go. All
1: right. All right. Is, should we have a buzzer? I
2: feel like we should have I've a got, buzzer. I've got... Uh, well, this gives it away. It's in the title. <laughs> um, I Want My MTV. Tagline for MTV. Yeah. yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. It's right? a song, too, wasn't oh, it? it? It's kind of a maybe. jingle, maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I think a lot of mine are jingles.
2: Um, okay. This one is okay. a fake commercial for a fake product, but it's hilarious. <laughs> and it goes back to um snl in the in the good old days donuts of champions when john belushi was was a a decathlon runner and he and you know like they did wheaties <laughs> yeah. and stuff. so he would eat these little chocolate donuts and the, it was donuts of champions that's a
1: good one too yeah. breakfast of champions yeah well are donuts you, of are champions you getting
2: better. there or no um what happens here stays here. Ah, oh, it was one of mine.
0: Vegas? Yeah. Vegas. That's a good one. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: No shit. It was on my list.
2: And then I had this. I thought of this without even looking it up, but um, where's the beef? Ooh, good one. Meg, you don't know this one. Probably before your time. I think it was Wendy's. Is it like chicken? It was Wendy's. Oh. But it was Wendy's circa like 1980-something. Oh,
1: all right. Yeah. All right. There you go. Good. They were good. So number five I have is uh, eat more
2: chicken. Chick. Yeah, I considered that one. Chick-fil-a. I with love,
1: the
0: cows. I love think the, the cows, cows are clever, yeah. 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 But that's not like, that's not what we're doing here,
2: yeah, you know? Eat more chicken is like a, a tagline.
0: Yeah, but like the cows are an element of it that
1: are not what we're doing still here. still a good slogan, <laughs> it's, to eat more chicken. I'm
2: with Jeff. It's partially why he, he picked it for his top five. What <laughs>
1: happens in <laughs> Vegas stays oh, in Vegas. Um, America runs on? <laughs> Dunkin'. Dunkin' Donuts, really? It's a great, American runs on Dunkin'. The Best Part of Waking Up. You want to sing this like some coffee? Folgers. Folgers or Nescafe. That's a great one. And my number one, dude. I can't believe no one else had this. I may not always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dos that what one, is that voice? That's, uh, that's the, the most, interesting, see, man in the the most interesting man in the world. Didn't
0: sound like him. That's, that that's was good That's
1: pretty
2: good. One. good. I, yeah, that's a good one. I
1: thought that one yeah. was like across the I'll board. You
0: that. Yeah. That so good. I had
1: Vegas. I had Dosecchi's, American Runs On. Folgers? Okay.
0: Uh, are you bragging about Folgers? <laughs> I, just Folgers? Didn't, I didn't
1: think it was that difficult of a uh, time. No, I didn't think difficult. it was
0: difficult. I thought it was stupid. There's a
1: difference. <laughs> <laughs> <Suche>. <laughs> Oh, I, uh, I had a, my, my number one, but I didn't, it was so old. I didn't think, does anyone, do you, Mike, i ask you, do you remember, um, never had it, never will, never had it, never will. Kind of vaguely. What is that from? So picture like a Jamaican dude in like a big hat talking to like a little white girl and he would say like, never had it, never will. Mm. Seven up. Never had caffeine, never will. Yeah, I kind of remember that now. And the spokesman man was like this this old, like, not old, but like an older black dude, and he like had a real deep voice, and the way he said it was like, I I love that commercial. It's like that guy's so cool.
2: Just me. Okay. I don't think that's (laughs) the number one, but I'll give it, I'll give you some credit. Nice.
0: Until next time.
2: Thanks for listening. See ya.